When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Eichert and Lehman, we recap the NFL draft by looking at the OU and OSU players that got their names called. In Football Guys Talking Basketball, we discuss the Thunder's historically bad performance against the Pacers. And to finish up, we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. I'm man Michael Hosty. We'll kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, May 3rd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by a company that we are finalizing the contracts with on Tuesday, Ted. Tuesday is the day. Gotta love it, baby. Gotta yes, love we, it. We, we got some very good news over the weekend. Uh, they, The new presenting sponsor will be signing up for a full year, Ted, full year sponsorship. So we're... We're pretty excited about that. We'll be here for at least a year. Is that what you're telling me? Hopefully. I I really hope so. Something has gone terribly wrong because <laughs> I enjoy this. Okay. Now we're recording this on Sunday night during the middle of the Thunder Suns game. We'll get to the Thunder. Boy, uh, that Saturday night game was interesting. But just a reminder, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, to please leave us a five-star review and leave us a nice comment while you're at it. But I want to get to the NFL draft stuff right away. But I I saw something today, Teddy, that I just have to talk to you about because I want to know if my reaction was accurate or not. So my wife and and Brian Schwenke and his wife, guy I played with in Tennessee, he was in town for this, uh, this baby shower that my wife was having, and we went to the Wheeler district where they have that Ferris wheel, right? Mm-hmm. With the OKC sign. I'm sure you see it a bunch on Instagram and all that stuff, but there were four people I would say in about their sixties. So we're sitting outside, we're eating and they've got desserts at this place. And this guy has a dessert in his hand. It's in his bare hand, right? So he's taking bites from the dessert. He then offers it to a woman, which I assume was his wife, but like puts it in front of her face and she like takes a bite out of it and no hands involved. Just like a, 
And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, that's probably Almost not my Almost like st- a groom uh, giving the bride a piece of the wedding cake or something. Ex- uh, yes. But where it took a turn was he then turns to the other man in the group of four and does the same thing. And the other man then, no hands, actually put the hands behind the back when he did it, takes a bite out of the same dessert that the original man was eating off. He had offered to the woman. Now this is the third person eating off the dessert. So I see this and I'm like, okay, I need to know more. Like what's going on here? Because I just want to make sure those are not the actions of like, I've never seen that before in my life. Like it was like a community dessert and they're all sharing it. And then we got to talking about, I was like, well, maybe they're sharing other things. I don't know what's going on here, but I had never seen that in my entire life. And it, I just sat there and I was like, what just happened? And luckily Schwenke saw it too. And we couldn't stop running through the scenarios of how you like, like, how do you end up there? You know, like, Hey, I'm all for everyone being happy. Make your life choices. No judgment, but three people sharing the same dessert. Now, amazing. the fourth, the fourth person, the woman, she gave, she shook it off. She shook it off. He presented it in front of her face. She gave it that. I don't know. I'm good. Maybe it's because she saw three other people eat off of it. Well, there's a couple of things here. I'll just tell you right away. I'm, I do not, I don't get down with eating a bite of something that someone else has already had. I don't even like a lot of people will, you go out to eat and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is great here. Try a bite. Eh, I'm okay. I feel rude for turning it down sometimes, but still I'm good. I, I trust your judgment that it's great. Mine's great too. I'll stick with what I got, but you want to talk about stepping up casual dining. You know, it's really casual. I typically wouldn't pick up something to eat it unless I I don't know. What kind of dessert was it? Was It, it something that you would typically hold? It was a square type of dessert i couldn't tell if it was like a brownie or what but it was it was a handheld dessert i would say like i I think it was acceptable he was eating it with his hand but the part where it just got crazy was it was clear they had done this before right he presents it in front of their face they take a bite out of it don't touch it with their hands which was the weirdest part if you're like hey you want to try this you break off a little piece right you don't just go mouth first to the dessert. I don't know. That's that is that is a comfort level with some people that I don't even I wouldn't do that with my wife. That's just not I don't that's not my thing. And I'm not like a picky eater and, and stuff like that and like a germaphobe. I'm not, but that's just that's taking it too far from me. I'm just telling you, this sparked an hour-long conversation where we were like, okay, we need these people's backstories. Like, are you they should have trailed them wherever they left, see where they were going. I almost I, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna let these people live. That's weird. I've never seen that. But it took it, it took a lot for me not to go up and be like, okay, guys, what's the story here? I need to know. Because, like you said, that comfort level, I I can't imagine I'd ever get there. 
were they seated couple. at the restaurant standing they did it standing which made it even crazier like these people are standing straight up and he just puts it in front of their face and they just take a bite out of it what like, are the what? chances we can get the surveillance footage from the restaurant call the damn cops on them that's what i thought about doing like what, what what's going on here but i just had to tell you that because wow. we literally talked about it for an hour we're like what what like how, how do you get there you know no way to each There's their own no way i suppose well, whatever makes you happy i guess but that's the weirdest thing i've ever seen in person i was like wait <laughs> okay let's get to the nfl draft stuff and the way I wanted to do, Ted, I want to just recap by looking at the OU and the OSU guys. It's impossible to go through every team's draft class and all the picks and all those things. But just looking at the OU guys, Creed Humphrey, as we expected, the first sooner off the board, goes a little later maybe than I expected him to. But, man, does he land in a good situation. Uh, second round. 63rd overall to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm sure it made him mad that he had to sit there a little longer than he wanted to, but he gets to join an instant Super Bowl contender, uh, gets to play for one of the best offensive minds in all of football, and Andy Reid gets to snap the football to the best quarterback in the league and Patrick Mahomes. When you look at this situation for our man Creed, uh, pretty, pretty good. Could not have been better for the guy. And, you know, whenever we were talking to his agent, you know, one of the things that, that he was saying is, don't worry about where you go. You're going to play a long time. And fit is, is kind of everything. And this is perfect. Guys that play for – play on teams with great quarterbacks typically play for a long time. And that's not just offensive line. That's a bunch of positions. When you've got a great quarterback, keeps a lot of people employed whenever you're winning football games. The roster doesn't turn over like it does whenever you're, you know, losing 10 games every single year and they're constantly rotating talent through. So this is perfect. I, I, think, it's, I think it's fantastic for Creed. Um, I think the Chiefs are a great fit. It's, you know, kind of like we talked about, with it's it's all about comfort zone and going to a place with with good coaching i love this i had seen quite a few mock drafts that had creed going in that exact slot to the chiefs but i am surprised he didn't go earlier but in the grand scheme of things it's not going to matter in my opinion it's probably going to be a benefit yeah you you end up in that type of situation and i think it's pretty cool he gets to reunite with Orlando Brown after that trade, sending Orlando to the Chiefs. Uh, I thought it was pretty great. You saw Veach, the general manager, on the call. They put that out on Twitter, said, hey, we, we just got an OU tackle. We figured we'd snag an OU center. I thought that was pretty cool from them. But, yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, I know that he probably wanted to go in the first round. He knew it was kind of an outside shot of happening. And, and I actually had lunch on Friday with Creed. and. I, I think he thought he was going to go a little earlier in the second round, but this is, this is one of those situations where not only does he end up in a really good situation, but now he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder through this whole process because there were a couple centers that went before him, two teams that he knew was interested in him. So he lands in a great situation, but a little extra motivation too. Yeah, well, that, that never hurts if, if 
you you got to use whatever you can for motivation, especially in the NFL where you got to be way more self-motivated than you do in, in college football where you're kind of held to it day in and day out. What do you think about his chances of getting on the field immediately? I I think they're pretty good because when you look at it, they did do a lot of things in free agency, right? They signed Austin Blythe, who was, you know, an interior offensive lineman for the Rams, can play center, has played center, has started a lot of games at center. They uh, Joe Thune is going to be the left guard, right? I, I think we can, uh, with the amount of money they're paying that man, there's no way he's not the left guard. Kyle Long is kind of a wild card in all of this, right? Pick him up in free agency. He comes out of retirement. He was a really good right guard at the peak of his career. But Did he play ever play center in Chicago? I don't remember him ever, you know, I and I'm not going to pretend like I watched every Bears game, but he certainly didn't play there for a long stretch, maybe spot duty, but I don't remember even hearing him about him playing center. He was a right guard. That's what he was now. He was a really damn good right guard, like, you know, pro ball player. So Creed, he, he's going to have to compete, right? This isn't going to be handed to him. And I, Blyce on a one-year deal, he's going to be ultra motivated to get on the field to earn a new contract from someone else. Like, obviously, Austin Blythe knows that Creed's the center of the future there in Kansas City, but he he's going to want to get on the field to earn a new contract somewhere. So it was... It, when I was looking at the roster, I was like, okay, yeah, it's just not going to be handed to him. Obviously, they're going to want him to win that job when you draft a guy that early. That's usually how it works. But I would be a little surprised if he doesn't end up being the starter with how how high they took him in the draft and just how talented he is also. Like, he, he should be – he seems like a guy that will be a first-game starter, like when, when – the first week rolls around that he'll be ready to go, but you never know because Blythe, he's he's more than capable. I mean, it's not like he's a scrub or anything. Yeah, and it, it may come down to just what they what they envision it right away. Like if they feel like he, he's going to be the starter right away and they've got a, a good vision of how it's going to go down, heck, it may be day one they've got him running with the ones. You never know, but great spot. Kansas City, man, it's that's the – that's one of the best places to go right now. When you've got a, a guy that most would consider to be, if not the best, at least a top two or three quarterback in the league right now that's signed for a decade, <laughs> that's that's a good spot to go to for sure. Pretty solid spot and just completely revamped that O-line. A lot of talent around Creed, whether he's at center or guard, whatever. Like He's going to be playing with some talented veteran players that can make your life as a rookie a lot easier when you got a lot of talented guys around you. So easier on the field, more difficult in the meeting room though, right? A little more difficult, probably a little more difficult uh, on the old, the old rookie dinner as well. They're, uh, they're not going to feel bad spending all this money, but Hey, it'll make more. He'll be fine. Okay. Next sooner taken Ted, You've been a Patriots fan for so long, and I don't think it's a coincidence that you're rocking the Patriots shirt. That's right, baby. Let's go. You've you've been a Pats fan for so long that you apparently have trained your football brain to think just like Bill Belichick because last episode, you mentioned something about Ronnie Perkins. You said he kind of, now that you had made some connections, kind of in the mold of a Dante Hightower and would you look at that in the third round with the 96th pick of the draft, 
the New England Patriots took Ronnie Perkins. Look at the big brain on you. I mean, it's an absolute home run for New England to get what I consider to be probably a first-round talent with the 96th pick of the draft. That is a home run. As long as Ronnie Perkins, you know, um, you know, takes care of his business and handles things off the field and shows up ready to work, all of those things, I think, that, I think this is a home run uh, draft for New England. I love it for Ronnie. I love it for the Patriots. I think it's fantastic. And, yeah, you know, I, I originally started thinking about the Dante, Dante Hightower comparison whenever I saw a mock that had him going to Miami. And I was like, well, geez, what is Miami seeing him? And, and I was thinking about Flores and being in New England. And then after the pick, I was listening to Belichick talk about Perkins and he didn't say much, you know, Belichick, but he did say, you know, he's been good on the edge as a, as a pass rusher stand, you know, maybe he's a stand up, maybe he's a, a defensive end. And then just kind of the way he said it, he said, we'll see, we'll see about that whenever he gets here. So it makes me think that maybe they will be playing him like Hightower. Like maybe they've got some other vision for him, but I don't know. I, I just, I think it's a, a great landing spot for Ronnie Perkins you know, they love guys that play exactly like he does that are com- like physical, like hard nosed football players, strong, can control the line of scrimmage. I think it's a great fit. Yeah. And you look at it, it just seems like tremendous value for the Patriots. I mean, you get a guy that was that productive in college, and I know he doesn't have, you know, the perfect measurables for an edge guy, but. It sounds like they're going to use him in a variety of ways. If anyone's going to get creative with it, it's going to be Bill Belichick. But you're not supposed to be able to get a guy that talented at 96. I know it, it. it felt, I'll say it, Teddy, and no offense to your squad, but it felt like they were cheating again when they drafted him at 96. I was like, yeah. that's not fair. Like, there's not 95 players that should go ahead of this kid in the draft. That's ridiculous. Right. Well, um, I agree, and I don't know why Perkins dropped. I don't, you know, his his pro suspension day, suspension yeah. definitely hurt him, right? There's no doubt. Yeah. There's no doubt. Suspension hurt him, and I don't think it would have hurt him as bad had he didn't have any outlier testing numbers in a good way. You know, he was just kind of he was like right down middle of the road, right down Main Street on everything for seven. 20 some reps on the bench press, you know, it was all pretty, it was within the guidelines of what you want in a player, but he didn't break the mold on anything. Had he, had he tested extremely well, I I don't think it would have affected him nearly as much, but uh, here's the thing. The film doesn't lie. Whenever the guy's on the field, he is making plays. He's a productive football player. He's a game changer. Yeah. So I feel like he just ended up in a really good situation and love the stuff he was putting out on Twitter, but there's no doubt he, he should have gone earlier. I mean, the suspension and I know that the measurables and everything, but I mean, come on, what are we doing? Just that guy ends up at the Patriots. Of course 
he ends up Mac Jones falls to him at 15 and then they get Perkins at 96. I mean, what are Heck we of doing? a draft baby? Heck of a draft. Speaking of the Patriots draft, Ramondre Stevenson, yeah. they snag him in the fourth round with the 120th pick. The new England Patriots get another big running back. And I'll say this, this is a guy that went through a lot to get to this point, right? You kind of, Here's some about his background, then Juco, then, you know, it, it wasn't exactly a clear future when it comes to football for him, but ends up at Oklahoma, has the suspension as well, but really minimal tread on the tires and ends up being a early day three pick. I mean, it really it really ended up really well for him. I feel like, I feel like this is exactly where we expected him to go. And he goes to a great organization like new England. This is kind of on the high side of, of where we thought, you know, there was um, kind of middle was fifth round possibly drop into the sixth, but I think fourth round is something you got to be happy with at running back. And, and again, I think it's, you know, we, we, we talked about Ramondre it's, I definitely think that ETN and um, – oh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank. The kid out of Alabama, they're, they're definitely better running backs. Like they oh, are, Najee Harris. Yeah, Najee. They're more athletic. Um, they've shown more on film. They're, they've been more productive. But the difference between those guys and Ramondre Stevenson isn't that much. It's not – first to fourth round difference between the guys, but that's what happens at running back is if you're not one of the, like the, the gold nuggets at the very top, then you pretty much fall to the middle of the pack whenever it comes to the draft. So I think it is a, another with both Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson, they're getting players that are way better than their draft position in my, in in my opinion. Yeah. And you're already seeing the comparisons to LeGarrette Blunt, right? And Stevenson even brought it up when they asked, hey, what do you know about the history of the position for the Patriots? He was the first person he brought up. So you, you see him now. He's not 6'3", like LeGarrette Blunt was, but a little more compact. I don't yeah, know I think if LeGarrette his... Blunt was listed at like 240, but we all know that he was rolling around about 265. Still one of the best things ever is when he punched that guy in the face when he was at <laughs> Boise State. That's still that's an all-time clip. But I think you look at the versatility of Perkins, right? And they're going to find ways to use him on the defensive side. The versatility of Stevenson, I assume, is something that really attracted him because he's a guy that can you know, perform at a high level in pass protection. He can perform in the screen game. You can throw him the ball out of the backfield. Now I know Tom Brady's not there anymore, but they still really like getting their running backs to ball out of the backfield. So he can do a little bit of everything. Like you said, maybe not the most talented guy in the world, but a versatile winning player. And it seems like new England just collects those guys. So it made a lot of sense once they made the pick, but it sounded like it was a surprise to Ramondre. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know exactly, you know, the thought process that went into it. But, you know, one thing is I have heard Lincoln Riley uh, in the past mention, you know, when, when he's asked like influences and stuff like that, he's talked about the New England offense quite a bit. And I think he's been there 
to study them, and they've been to Oklahoma to study his offense a little bit. So I know there's some type of connection there. So I'm going to guess that uh, the Patriots reached out to Lincoln Riley and, you know, probably got a really good vote of confidence for Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah, and you look at those two guys, Ronnie and Ramondre, I Patriots don't care about the suspension, obviously. I mean, not a big yeah. deal for them. So I, I, I think they got two really good players, and it, the draft is all about getting value at the picks. And, man, those both feel like really solid value for your Patriots. Yeah, I love it, baby. Gross. Let's go. Hell of a draft. Yeah, we Hell get of it. Draft. We get it. Okay, Trey Brown goes in the fourth round. He goes 137th overall to the Seattle Seahawks, and I was shocked. Not yeah. that he went this early because we had heard he really did a good job in the pre-draft process, especially at the Senior Bowl. You and I both watched him compete like hell in those one-on-one drills. We talked about how good he had looked. And the Seahawks noticed it too, but I just, I didn't think he would even be on the Seahawks draft board because they, they just have the longest corners in the world. Like all those guys are six, three. So I was, when they drafted him, I was like, wait, what? That's awesome. But I, so I did some digging and it, it sounds like they had a corner this season that didn't fit their typical mold that they felt played really well. And they're like, okay, maybe we need to reevaluate our criteria at corner, maybe not be so strict. So Pete Carroll said, just like you and I, he loved Trey Brown's performance in the one-on-one drills. And that's what really impressed him about him at there at the senior bowl. So I thought something else Pete Carroll said was really interesting. He said they drafted him to play outside corner that they didn't draft him as a nickel. They're like, no, 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 this guy, we think this guy can play. We don't care how tall he is. We don't care how short his arms are. We like the way he competes. And I was like, damn, look at Seattle changing some things up. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, they, the system that they played for a long time with um, the Legion back there, they've changed from that quite a bit. You know, those, those days are kind of gone. Uh, with all single high stuff or cover three uh, with Cam Chancellor rock, rocking down into the box. And um, it, it's just, they, it's a little bit different now. So I'm not nearly as up to date on their scheme now as I used to be, but here's the thing, man, in the fourth round, if you can cover, you can cover. And here's the thing. I, I still, believe that his 40 was way faster than whatever they showed on the clocks because I've seen four fours before. That's not what he was doing. He was blazing. So if you are a little small and you make up for it in speed, it's not nearly as big of a factor. You just can't be small and slow, you know, and he's not bad combination, small and slow, but uh, you would assume he'll also, have a big role in special teams there in Seattle. I don't, I'm not sure if he will have a big role as a returner, but you get a guy that can run like that. Talk about a gunner on punt, you know, punt return, all those types of things. I, th- I think you'll see Trey Brown out there on special teams for the Seahawks, but 
fourth round. Let's go, oh, Trey Brown. Repping the, repping the state of Oklahoma. Let's go. Trey Norwood, we talked, hey, maybe this guy goes undrafted. Maybe he slips into you know late sixth, early seventh round. And would you look at that seventh round with the 245th pick, the Pittsburgh Steelers take Trey Norwood. Ted, we've talked a lot about this guy's versatility, how he played several positions in Alex Grinch's scheme. You know, if they needed a guy to step in because of injury or whatever, he could be that guy. And we thought teams might see value in that, but also it may work against him because he really didn't get to consistently work at one spot. But it became pretty obvious that the versatility stood out to the Pittsburgh Steelers because when they announced the pick, Mike Tomlin, the freaking head coach of the Steelers, announces it himself and referred to Trey Norwood as, quote, Swiss Army Knife Utility Back Safety. That's not a position, Mike, but yes, versatile. I think I I, I think we understand what he was saying. No, I love that, man. That is and you know, it's something we we talk about at times on here. There's a difference between a 95-man roster or however many you have in, in college football. Some teams just have these huge rosters and a 53, which is even smaller than that on game day. If you can do multiple things, if you can play safety, if you can play nickel, if you can play corner, if you can be a good special teams player, the more things you can do, the more chances you have of making the football team. So when you get a vote of confidence from the head football coach like that, whenever he makes the pick, that's pretty good. Yeah, I was like, wait, that's about as much of a ringing endorsement you'll ever see a seventh-round draft pick get in the process. It was basically him saying, like, we fooled everyone. I can't believe we got this guy right here. (laughs) Y'all are all idiots. We are geniuses. (laughs) What were you nerds doing? Yeah, I thought that 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 was a pretty cool moment and always special when you get drafted and uh, we'll see what happens for Trey Norwood. I think he's going to look good in the black and yellow though. Those colors yeah. are so good. No, look, good. I, I like it really. And some may agree or disagree with me, but I, th- we got some pretty good unis going here in the draft. Aside from the chiefs, chiefs is not very high on my list. Patriots, Ravens, uh, Steelers, that's about as good as it goes, man. Seahawks, all Jersey team. Seahawks, you're, you're, you're going to get some mixed reviews on the Seahawks. If really? so, some of the, I think some of the younger, younger fans are all about the Seahawks. You know, they throw all the neon in there and yeah. all that stuff. They're kind of, you know, the new age look of jerseys. I think you'd have some people that are like Seahawks. Those jerseys are atrocious. I like the traditional ones. (laughs) Yeah, maybe so. I love them. I love them. One guy that went undrafted was Adrian Ely. Uh, He signs with the Baltimore Ravens as a free agent, and we knew him going undrafted was a possibility, right? When you look at – and he's he's a good football player, but when you looked at what he did at Pro Day, he is just not a top-tier athlete at the offensive tackle position. Now, when you look at the Ravens roster, it's a very guard heavy roster, especially after some of the things that they did in this draft, but with them trading Orlando Brown away, there is a right tackle job that is open. And Adrian 
probably just going to be more concerned with making the roster. Now, of course, you want to go and you want to be a starter, but it's hard to go from being an undrafted lineman to being a starter in the NFL. There, that that is a long journey. Now, it's possible. Don't get me wrong, but you know, Ronnie Stanley's their guy at left tackle. You just have to play well enough in camp to stick. I mean, that's just it, it's tough. It's it's not going to be easy for him. What do you think? What's the percentage chances you think of Ely making the roster? I, you know, just from an undrafted perspective, anyways, I mean, 25%, maybe now I, I feel good about him making the practice squad. Yeah. But he goes from, you can go from 25 to 75 really quickly with an injury. And as we know, injuries, they happen a lot. They happen right out of the gate and training camp a bunch. So yeah, I, I, I agree with you, uh, practice squad and, on the offensive line position, I bet practice squad is sometimes one of the best ways to go. If you can get on a practice squad and get in that in a coach's room for an entire year, you got a good shot of of trying to improve and find a way on the football team. Yeah, and I think he just he needs to work on his body. He needs to live in the weight room, kind of lean out a little bit, get stronger, that whole thing. I think that would do do him a whole lot of good, but He's got a chance. Ain't going to be easy. It is not going to be easy, but, I mean, he's in the door. And you know that the Ravens like OU guys. You know that Bill Beanbo has a good relationship with that front office. So he's going to get every chance, it seems like now. He's not going to get as many chances as other guys. That's how it works when you're undrafted. So can't make mental mistakes. Uh, You're not going to get very many reps. You, You got to make the most of it. So, We'll see what happens for Adrian, but he's going to get that shot. We'll see how it goes. Now, for our call your shot question, I'm not going to lie. I asked a stupid question on the podcast Twitter. Uh, it was stupid. I I said, of the OU guys that got drafted, who ended up in the best situation? And the obvious answer is Creed, right? Not only did you get drafted the highest. What, what did I say? What did I say? This is this is what the people said, Teddy. I'm not coming after your Patriots, man. Calm okay. down. Okay. No, that's right. That's the right answer. It is. But unless like they clash, you know, unless they don't get along for some reason, you know, because you, you've got to have a good relationship with that quarterback to hang around. If 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 you if you're not wired the same, whoo, it could be a tough deal. But he's such a good guy to get along with. There's there's I got no worries there. Two weeks into camp, and Patrick Mahomes is like, "We got to get rid of this Creed Humphrey guy. He's out of here. He's out of here. This left-handed stuff. I'm not. That's uh, all I'm he has. Up with I it. mean, that's right. That's that. That is like we we joke about that. But if Patty Mahomes says no, nah, I don't want a left-handed center. It's like, ooh, back to the drawing board real quick. I guarantee you this. Creed would learn to snap right-handed. He'd be like, yeah. okay, here we go, because. You want to play center, play guard is a different animal, man. You want to live there in the he middle. He start brushing his teeth right-handed, combing his hair. Everything he does for the rest of his life will be right-handed. I would have. Fit, I I think I was about eight or nine years old. One of our AAU basketball coaches told us to start doing everything left-handed. I went like a couple of years like eating left-handed to try to improve my left hand. And to the man's credit, I had a pretty good left. Still do. Yeah. I'm just saying. But nice. 
Okay, so we got some good responses on the call your shot question, and like 95% of them were like Creed, duh, idiot. And I was like, okay, yeah, it was, I should have said other than Creed, but I didn't. But Chris Manley on Twitter says, Creed, easy. Ronnie has a great spot. If anyone can find unique ways to use him, it's Belichick. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously high tower. The comparison I made last week, um, Van Noy, they use Van Noy a bunch of different ways too. He's a 6'3", 250 pounder. It's a big dude. I played with Kyle in Detroit and yeah. he's, I mean, just a big, it's like they, they just see these big versatile athletes that are good football players that always find themselves around the football and they're like, okay, you know what? We'll figure it out. We'll figure out how to use this guy. Yeah. And, you know, they, they've used Van Noy as inside backer, edge guy, same thing with Hightower. So I personally think that's what they're going to be looking for with Ronnie. Could be wrong, but that's just kind of a, a bit of a feeling I have right now just because the way he lines up uh, physically with those guys. Yeah, at Sooner JG says, Creed by far most guaranteed money, immediate shot at a Super Bowl ring playing with Zeus, not far from home. Great fan base. I see no lies there. Uh, that's uh, that's that pretty much sums it up. That is cool um, for the Sooner family JG. to whenever he gets drafted close enough where you can drive up for every home game, no problem. Yeah, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a caravan from old Shawnee USA up to Arrowhead. That's going to be that's going to be really cool. That is so cool that he went there. That's such a damn good fit. I, I'm so pumped for him. Now, uh, one other response comes from Kyle Deason, who says, Trey Brown in Seattle is interesting. If anyone has a chance to be a pro bowler in year one or two, I think Trey in Carroll's system could shine like a diamond. Oh, look at that, Kyle Deason. Shine like a diamond, he says. Hmm. Let's see. He would definitely have to shine bright like a diamond in order to make a, did you say pro bowl? He said in year one or year two, so I, I don't know. Our man Kyle has high expectations for Trey Brown, apparently. That is uh that that would be impressive. I'm not saying it can't happen, but that is a that's a tough position to get it at. I was just trying to think, you know, a lot of times whenever you are tinkering with the defense and maybe changing your personnel, it may be in response to what's happened in your division. And I'm trying to think of like burners. Like, was there anyone in, in that division that was just roasting people with speed that they needed a better answer for besides their own guy, Tyler Lockett? I was about to say, he's going to have his prop. That You talk about some Tulsa on Tulsa crime right there on the practice no field. That's no going to be – I'm sure those guys are going to gonna have fun. Yeah, but you look at the NFC West, I mean, there's – that's a good question. I, I, I won't lie. I'm not properly well, prepared. What, Debo Samuel? Well, yeah, uh, Debo Samuel, but, you know, and, and it's a little bit different. There's more size there, but all of a sudden, Arizona's got like a ton of great wide receivers, so you need some really good cover guys. So I don't know. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, you know, off the top of my head, if, if, if they felt like they needed more speed and, and get away from some size out there, but I don't know. I, 
I wouldn't say you wouldn't call Hopkins a burner, but obviously he is an absolute problem. You look at the what the Rams guys, Cooper Cup, nah, Robert Woods, no. Uh, so where'd Brandon Ayuk go? I don't remember. There's too many of those guys. That that division's yeah. legit though. Yeah. So you the burners you would say are Seattle, right? Lockett, Metcalf in that division. Yeah. Yeah, Metcalf doesn't really count. He's, he's a, a burner. He's a burner, but he's also like the biggest wide receiver in the division, or maybe the NFL. So it's just kind of a weird, uh, weird dynamic there. Just, just a joke, human being. I mean, the way that that guy looks physically is absurd. That okay video of him chasing down what's his name from the Cardinals is one of the coolest clips ever. It is, yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly different. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's talk about the Oklahoma State guys. But first, let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. And First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And guys, spring is here, and you know what that means. It is hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool like I did this weekend at the lake and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will and Wiley if you're tagging if you're tagging, that's not right. If you're drinking some because of us, tag them, let them know. Okay, three Oklahoma State guys that I really want to run through. Teddy, Tevin Jenkins ends up where a lot of people thought he was going to go just later than we thought he was going to go there. He does end up in Chicago, who has a big need at right tackle, but he goes in the second round with the 39th pick. Now the Bears traded up to get him but they thought the Bears might take him in the first. They grab him in the second, and it seems like the immediate expectation is for him to go in there and be the starting right tackle. And when you go a little later than you thought you were going to go, you have some other tackles go in front of you. I assume Tevin Jenkins is going to be a pissed-off man going to Chicago. Not at them, but just kind of at the world. Yeah, um, I guess Gundy didn't know anything when he said he's not going later than twenty-five. I know, I have the audio and everything. Uh-huh. Like I have, I know he like that's a quote, but yeah, he oops. was lied to by uh, Urban Meyer, like so many other people have been throughout the years. I I think it's, I think it's great by the Bears if you could get a because he's a athletically. He he's a first round tackle and there's not even, you know, a debate about it. I don't know why he dropped. I don't know what happened there. 
Um, people may have seen some things on film. Like you said, there's some, some film where it looks like, oh, my God, this guy's unbelievable. Then other times uh, he looks you know, pretty average. So uh, to be able to get him that late is a win for the Bears. I like it. He's going to be angry, and angry is good typically in the NFL. Yeah, and I, I think Chicago is going to be awfully happy with him just got to stay healthy clearly that's the that's the most important thing but it is a it is a league of grown ass men and that dude's strong and can play so uh, I, i'm interested but he's he's definitely going to be motivated i think and if you heard his draft call he even sounded like he was feeling some type of way already so uh it'll be interesting to see how it goes for Tevin that's jenkins a, you know if you're thinking about – if you've been told that you're most likely going in the first round, it's it's tough. But 39's not not bad, but still, you know, whenever you feel like it's a guarantee that you're going in the first round and you've had some good conversations with some teams and feel really good about it, agent feels really good about it, and it doesn't happen, I can understand the, the disappointment. Yeah, and I think I saw – quote from Gundy saying he wouldn't be surprised uh, a few years from now we're looking back at it and going hmm maybe Tevin Jenkins was the best tackle in this draft so we'll see how it plays out he's going to be in a good situation there in Chicago kind of I mean a good situation as in getting on the field immediately and being an impact player okay the disrespect for Tylen Wallace pissed me off we got Random ass wide receivers coming off the board before this guy. I'm wanting to pull my hair out. And then I'm like, wait, he went to Oklahoma State. What am I doing? Why do I care so much? And it's just because he's so he's so damn likable. It is the way he plays, it's things he says. I I'm a tall I, I'm a Tylen Wallace fan. I got no problem saying that, but ends up going in the fourth round with the 131st pick to the Baltimore Ravens. And in my opinion, and I'm not a draft analyst or an expert or anything, I think it's one of the best value picks in the draft. I think that this guy has borderline first-round talent. He is already, in my opinion, he already carries himself like a professional. I think he is going to flourish as a slot receiver in the NFL and – you look at the guys he's going to have around him, obviously Lamar Jackson as the quarterback, but he's going to have Marquise Brown. Uh, they took Rashad Bateman in the first round, mm-hmm. who is a big, talented dude out of Minnesota. And then they've got all those tight ends, right? Mark Andrews. So they're going to have all these weapons. And don't be surprised if Tylen Wallace is making plays. He's going to get a bunch of one-on-one coverage with all these studs around him on this offense. I, I won't be surprised if we're if we look up in the middle of the NFL season, you're like, damn, Tylen Wallace may be all rookie. Maybe yeah. I'm crazy, but I just feel like he he went too late, but once again, good situation for him. Well, he went too late, and I think a, a lot of teams probably didn't do their due diligence on the guy. You know, he obviously had the ACL year, and then uh, if you just go back and look at his breakout season, they threw the ball to him a bunch down the field, a bunch. 
and they haven't since. It's it's one of the things last year that just baffled the hell out of me. You got Tyler Wallace, probably the best deep ball guy the Big 12 has seen in a long time, and they're not testing it down the field with him at all. Now, I don't know if that was a Spencer Sanders thing, if that was their new offense or what, but uh, they didn't go down the field nearly enough to Tyler Wallace, but the talent is there. And Baltimore, they love to go down the field, so it's it's a nice fit for him. I think I agree with everything you're saying there. I think he could find a spot where he could just flourish. I hope he does, man. I like that kid. I like him a lot, and I, he's going to look good in that jersey. I think he'll look good in purple. I know that doesn't matter at all. I don't know why I keep bringing up how the it guys matters. are going to look in the jerseys, but no, it, you're it right. Matters. It does matter. You're right. Yeah. It's going to look great. Going to play great. I think he's going to be good. I'm telling you. Okay, Chuba Hubbard, last Oklahoma State guy that I wanted to bring up. I know Rodarius Williams got drafted. No one cares about the Giants. I'm glad he did. Good for him, but – these are kind of the big three for Oklahoma State, right? Jenkins, Wallace, and Hubbard. Chuba goes maybe a little earlier than some people thought he was going to go, right? Some people thought he may slide to the fifth, but he goes in the fourth round, 126th overall to the Carolina Panthers. He ends up being picked by someone that is very familiar with his work there in the Big 12 Conference and Matt Rule, and that was one of my favorite call videos first of all i just want to point out the draft pick call videos that is the content i crave inject it straight into my veins i love it i'm all about it give me all of it but when matt rule called him and it sounded like matt rule's wife maybe made this draft pick actually it was (laughs) it was pretty great but seems like a seems like a good fit for chuba i mean he can he can be a a backup he can come contribute on special teams obviously he's not going to get the starting job over your favorite guy Christian McCaffrey but speed and I think they're going to try to make him into more of a weapon out of the backfield as a pass catcher and we'll see if he's able to do it so I was I was glad to see him go a little earlier maybe than people thought he was going to go because once again and we've talked about it a lot but he came back he he did something that, you know, you're supposed to be rewarded when you do it. It's supposed to work out, and it didn't work out for him. But ultimately, running back with as many carries as he's had through his career, going in the fourth round, could have been worse. I mean, it could have been worse, and he ends up with one of my favorite human beings as a head coach. Like, I love Matt Rule. He's, he's tremendous. No, I think it's a great landing spot for him. Uh, obviously, Rule has a history with him, knows what he's about, uh, knows what he's capable of. Even though last season wasn't what you would have hoped, Rule's seen him at his best. So uh, that's definitely a, uh, a bonus. And the the great thing is you're going to a place where the starting running back can miss uh, 10 weeks with a non-injury. So there's always a chance that you can get a ton of reps, ton of carries, and uh, impress some people. Still not over it, huh? No. I'll never be over it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, we're going to move on. On that note, we'll move on <laughs> to football guys talking basketball. It is is Christian McCaffrey your least favorite football player right now? Right now, until next fantasy season, and someone else will take his place. Okay. All right. 
Just hey, all he's got to is- do is play. You know, he's only making a ton of money and he's not even injured. So all he's got to do is play. That's it. Hey, I got on here and spent like five full minutes talking about a guy feeding food to other people. So if you need to talk about your hate for Christian McCaffrey, man, I'm, I'm here for you. This is free therapy for no, us. We're good. I, I've, I think I've uh, beaten the hell out of that horse. We'll continue. I'll continue to bring it up because it's, <laughs> it's hilarious for me. Okay. Football guys talking basketball, FGTB. Now recording this during the Thunder Suns game. And I know this is a shock, but there's nine twenty left to go in the fourth. And the Thunder are actually keeping it respectable, only down 16. Now, Devin Booker is absolutely giving them that work. He's already got 30. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Thunder are going to lose this one by 20-ish. And that's fine, right? That's fine. What isn't fine is what happened Saturday night. Because, okay, let's start with the, I want to be positive about the Thunder. I want to be positive. Darius Baisley had a cool dunk. Um, Charlie Brown's hair. First of all, his name is Charlie Brown. That's fun. That's fun. His hair is fun to look at. Uh, Moses Brown. So we got multiple Browns. So it's like, hey, look, look at the Browns do their thing. That was fun. You know, we were talking about that maybe a little bit. Moses Brown did some good things. You know, had a productive night. But it was a record-setting night for the Oklahoma City Thunder on Saturday night. And... None of these records were uh, were a good thing. So, Ted, how about we go through a few Let's of the uh, records? The checklist. Number one, the Pacers scored a franchise record 152 points. It is the most points they have ever scored in franchise history. It's pretty amazing, honestly. Um, 152, uh, you know, a lot of times whenever a team scores 152, it's because the other team is scoring a ton of points as well. And you got an up and down game. That's a track meet, not the case here. Uh, but I guess good job Pacers. If anyone was wondering the, uh, the Pacers were established in 1967. So uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. They've been playing basketball. 152. Okay, the second record. The Pacers led by 67 points during that game. That is the largest lead in an NBA game in 25 seasons. Not a record you want. Not a record I wanted to talk about either. They were down by 67, and I basically was watching the game, and I was like, if they get down by 70... I'm taking as many shots of tequila as I got to take to forget this. Like, I know that sounds bad, but that's kind of where I was at emotionally. I, you know, I just credit the absolute heck out of you for watching this basketball game start to finish. It's a, you are a true diehard, my man. You're there for him. It's the only way I know. Loyal like a dog, baby. Throwing through, through the thick and thin. My God, it was, I mean, okay, let's just go to the next record. <laughs> Number three, the 57-point margin of defeat is the largest home loss in Thunder history. It is also the largest home loss in NBA history. 
in the history of the damn league. It is the worst loss a team has ever had in their home arena. There's been some bad teams. No shit. I mean, worst ever. Home loss. Worst one ever in the history of the association. It hurt when I, because I was reading these articles about the game. I was like, okay, how bad is this historically? And every article was mentioning these things. I was like, oh my God. Oh no. I mean, what we witnessed on Saturday night was one of the worst performances in NBA history. Like, like the, the stats bear that out. (laughs) I mean, it was so bad. I once played in an AAU game where we beat a team like 114 to 17, but that was AAU, and we had one player that scored like 90 of the points. So um, that's the only other thing I can think of that's that bad that I've ever seen firsthand. Yeah. Okay, last record, and there was a couple more, but I narrowed it down to four just because I didn't want to carry out my misery for too long. Demonis Sabonis, I don't know if you know this, Ted. He used to play here, um, drafted him. There's a bunch into... of great players in the NBA that used to play here. Yeah, I know. Well, hey, we got Oladipo. Well, okay. <laughs> Look at us now. <laughs> Damn it, I'm sad. But Demonis Sabonis joins Russell Westbrook. He also used to play here. I don't know if you know that, Ted. Mm-hmm. And Nikola Jokic, who, by the way, is going to be the NBA MVP this year. Um he is. He joins them as being the only players in the last 25 seasons to record a triple-double by halftime. They, he just, and he talked about it after the game. He was like, I've never been in a pro game where it was this easy. I was like, oh my God, that's so, <laughs> that's so rude to say. Uh, oh, God. I hope my misery is entertaining. That's I'm. I'm all. Is it content. ever going to get better, though? Let me ask you: Is is it ever going to get better? And is this team ever going to be a? We can. We'll make the playoffs again. But are they ever going to be a a Western Conference competitive basketball team? Yes, because I'm an optimistic person, but. It may take one more year like this one. And that makes me super sad because you go back and look at the ramp up to Westbrook, Harden, Durant. There are two just brutal seasons leading up to some of those draft picks. And then it's a slow build. So now hopefully with all the picks, they can package some things, bring a guy in, you draft well, and hey, voila, you're uh, you're right back in this thing. But how old is Westbrook? He is 32, 33. Huh. Okay, so I I guess what I'm saying is like the crop of stars right now, like the guys we have, like the NBA is packed full of great star power. But they're all getting pretty up there in age. Yeah, so you look. Yeah, especially net, you look at the Western Conference, right? Yeah, I mean, when LeBron you talk getting about up there. Uh, LeBron, 
Kincaid, Denver looks like it's going to be hard in those guys. Yeah, Denver. Denver looks like they're going to be a problem for a while. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., what the hell, man? Jamal Murray tore his ACL, and it's like nothing happened. They've won like eight of nine. What the hell? But if I, I guess I guess my optimism is there's gonna be a new crop of stars come through at some point here in the next couple of years. Uh I just hope the Thunder are in on the action and getting them. Yeah. Also Dallas having Luca for yeah, I assume his entire career. There eventually there's gonna be some guys that come and play with that guy. And Mark Cuban's going to be throwing some cash around. He's going to be shark tank dealing left and right. And they're going to be good. So yeah. we'll see. But in Presti, we trust. But I was I was watching that game. And it, it felt like rock bottom for my Thunder fandom. It, it really did. And I was like, you know what? It's only up from here, baby. It's only up from here. Because... I was I was trying to gauge like I was not in a good place emotionally watching that game. You know how invested I am into the Thunder, and I was like, okay, well, really the Pacers they just couldn't miss, right? They're like twenty one of thirty three from three. I mean, just shooting the three at sixty three percent, like that's that's ridiculous. But then it made it hurt because it was Sabonis. Dougie McBuckets was just dominating the game, dunking on us. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, they used to play here and they're just giving us the business. But there was no Shea, there was no Dort. But the Pacers also, they didn't have Malcolm Brogdon, they didn't have a few other guys. So I was, what I'm trying to tell you is I was a wreck on Saturday night. I'd been drinking all day and then I was watching this game and I was, and Saturday, I'm going to tell you full well, the third day of the NFL draft, Teddy. I do not handle it well. It brings back a bunch of bad, bad yeah. memories for me. So I was trying, I was trying to kind of forget all that, you know, and have a good time with my buddies. And it just, and then the Thunder game happened, and I like all the sorrow. Just it, it was, it was not good. It was not good at all. Well, the only thing I'll say is, I don't know if this is rock bottom because you just told me only a moment ago that. It's going to take another year like this one. So it might, but it's not up from here. It's sideways from here. Slow climb. Slow Slow climb. climb. Okay. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just hoping for the best. I I can tell you one thing. I, I don't want to go through that again. Saturday night. Like they were down 67 points, bro. Don't they realize that you don't get style to lose by that many. Right. You don't get extra ping pong balls by losing by more than anyone else. Well, at least at least they're making the Suns keep their starters in to the end of this game. 4.15 left. Thunder only down 13. Look at you go. Hey, Dort, big difference maker. Okay, that's enough Thunder. That's enough <laughs> Thunder. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from any insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, 
You'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And don't forget to connect with our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Nice. Time for our winners and losers of the weekend. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I'm going with the Kentucky Derby. Now, it's not so much for the race. Uh, Medina Spirit, Bob Baffert, yet again with another win. We get it, Baffert. We get it. Uh, But for me, it it was the highest attended sporting event in a year, over 50,000 people there. It's just good to see things getting back to normal. It's awesome to see uh, people out and about and, you know, not just burrowed in their homes. People are out doing things. Uh, there's, you know, timing is better. Everything was delayed last year just to get back on the traditional schedule and getting people out and about, I thought was just absolutely awesome. Loved it. Yeah, and it is one of the more exciting events in sports. And uh, I've been, you know, fortunate enough to go several years ago, and it's great. And you're right. It w- when I was watching it, and you're seeing the crowd, and you're like, man, stuff is stuff is starting to feel normal again. And it seems like because that's that's one of the greatest things about sports, right? Is the fandom and the atmosphere that that creates. And as I was watching it, clearly I'm watching the horses, you know, hoping it's going to be a close race, all those things, but it just gave me hope for football season. Right. And you know, we're, we're football guys. That's what we are. And it, it, it seems like we are headed in the direction of having full stadiums. And I know that, Teams came out, you know, months ago and said, yeah, our plan is to have full stadiums. But to see that many people at an event, it, it makes me feel better as we get closer to the fall. And I know it's only May, but all of a sudden, you know, we're going to blink here in a couple of weeks and it's going to be training camp and we're going to be talking about OU season and all those things. So it just, it kind of gave me chills watching it, like seeing the crowd. Well, that's the great thing about an event like the Kentucky Derby is – it's not part of a league. So like college football, and you know how these universities are, man. No one wants to be the first person to march 75,000 people out there. They want the SEC someone else. will do it. I'm not worried about it. Hey, I, I'm dead serious. The SEC will yeah. do it. I'm not worried about yeah. it. Like right. they're going to, they're going to be like, yeah, we're doing it. No, it's true, but it's good to see like some like this stuff happening this early to kind of, uh, break the seal, so to speak, I guess, in, in getting everyone out there and getting uh, getting the public used to seeing large gatherings. So whenever it happens in the fall for football, they're not coming out and attacking conferences or universities or, or however it might be. 
yeah, I think what the next huge event, what like Indy 500, I think that's normally end of May or so. Look at, look at my racing knowledge. How about that? What's the, what's the situation for like the U S open golf and everything this year? Is it going to be limited? I haven't seen anything, so I'm, I'm guessing it's probably limited. Yeah. I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything, but Oh, I just Googled it. U S open golf events, allowing limited number of fans to attend at courses in Oh, it's in California. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, at least there, that means we're lucky they're having it. So, <laughs> <laughs> what Tory Pines this year? I think, yeah. So nice. We'll see. But um, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I had to go with LeBron James. He said something fascinating. Um, as everyone knows, he's I think he's been out for the longest period, maybe in his career, or at least in a long time, with a high ankle sprain. And whenever he was asked about it. He said that I'm happy to be back, but I don't think I'll ever get back to 100%. And I just think that's such a weird quote. And I don't know what the motivation is. You hardly ever hear anyone say something like that, especially coming off of a, a high ankle sprain. High ankle sprains are not that bad as Christian McCaffrey. Okay. He had oh, here we go. Was jogging up and down the sideline, like nothing had ever happened, but it was weird to hear him say that. And I, maybe I look at LeBron James in the wrong light, but I feel like he's like setting this up to make it look like his comeback and winning a championship is like something more than what it is. Am I just way too negative on LeBron or is it a weird, do you think it's a weird statement like I do? It is odd, right? Does he mean back to hundred percent this year, baby? He said, I don't think I'll ever get back to a hundred percent. That seems, that seems a little dramatic if I'm going to be honest, but I, uh, I'm not going to lie. When you said your loser of the weekend was LeBron, I thought it was going to be in reference to, did you see that tweet where he's like, Hey, uh, who's got the best, like most comfortable gaming chair. I was like, wait, (laughs) what? Like it's LeBron big into the gaming now. I know his son, I think his son signed one of those video game deal things, but now the, uh, the old man, what is he? He's trying to relate with the kids. You play some more games. Why can't he just ask his son? If his son is a professional gamer, does he have to ask 20 million people what the best gaming chair is? I I don't know, but I saw it and I was like, what a weird question from <laughs> LeBron James. But then the second I had that thought, I was like, you know what? I do that with everything. Like if I need a suggestion, like I throw everything out on Twitter and even you can ask my wife. I'll be like, oh, I wonder which one of these... And then I'll just turn around and go, you know what? This is what Twitter's made for. And I just throw it out there and you get all kinds of suggestions. So I get it, LeBron. Do they steer you in the right direction usually? Well, if you're LeBron James, you got to weed out like a lot of trolls, right? I mean, you got to weed. You're going to get a lot of responses that are just ridiculous, (laughs) I assume. He's probably got 100,000 responses on that. my, My experience is, you know, usually I get some 
pretty good suggestions. And, you know, I get a couple of sarcastic responses, of course. It's still Twitter, but you can get some pretty solid information on Twitter. Usually. Hmm. I I may regret saying that. I'm probably it's a weird it's a it's a weird question for a guy that's got I don't know five ten million followers you could have narrowed your your search to maybe a couple of people he's LeBron James he could have called up and I seriously think and I don't know anything about video gaming I'm not going to pretend but his son got signed to like a big gaming thing so like he I assume they know people in the gaming space so yeah. well, why not ask one yeah. of these gaming experts? Ask his son because his son, I don't know if he's 6'8", 270 pounds like LeBron, but he's not a normal size human. I mean, it's whenever you're asking people out there, you're asking them for something that no one else out there is your size or would fit the chair the same way as you would. But I don't know. Yeah, but it wasn't about the chair. It was about the ankle. Right. Huh. Hmm. Denver's looking good. Utah's looking good. Phoenix is looking good. I don't think the Lakers. I. I don't know. Ah. Don't, if they got a healthy AD and a healthy LeBron, it's all that you know matters. they got a chance, right? But it's all that matters. But it know. is a different roster than they had a year ago. Yeah, there's no doubt. Riverwind. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in May, from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of 80 thousand dollars in cash and bonus play in riverwind's eighty thousand dollar wildflowers and winnings promotion that's a lot of money if you need help finding your way just visit riverwind.com riverwind casino simply the one and don't forget to send your kids to bishop mcginnis catholic high school bishop mcginnis catholic high school has a long tradition of educational excellence they know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back to last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, Ted, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with your Patriots because... They stayed patient. They didn't move up. And somehow Mac Jones falls right into their laps at 15. And the side-by-side body (laughs) comparison between him and Tom Brady is just too good. And the side-by-side of him and Belichick walking (laughs) is just too – I mean, it it was like it was written in the stars. Like, it was fate that Mac Jones was going to be a Patriot. Once again, this is a guy that until a few days before the draft, everyone thought he was going third and he drops to 15 to give the Patriots a quarterback because of course, God, 
Good pick, though. I like it. I, it I was a good pick. I agree. You know, I, I think of, of the first-round quarterbacks, I probably had Mac Jones the lowest, maybe Zach Wilson between those two guys is the lowest. But uh, to go at 15 to a place like New England, it's not, it's not bad. I, I think New England can do something with him. Zach Wilson was getting roasted on Twitter. He does kind of look like an action figure, like or a doll. Like he, no, I, he, he's like porcelain. Like he, he can throw like the a, damn ball. I know that, but like he, he looks like a seventh grader to me. I, yes. I, I, I'm sorry. He may be fantastic. He may make me look like a total idiot, which I, I've got no problem with that. I've looked like an idiot a million times, but there is no way. No way I would ever take Zach Wilson with the second pick in the NFL draft. There's no you. way. I'm with you. But we'll see. Well, you got to give him a chance there in New York. I'm sure they'll be nice to him if it doesn't go well. Oh, my God. <laughs> but my winner <laughs> of the weekend, Chicago Bears fans. Yeah. Now, I really liked some of the things they did in the draft. Uh, getting Khalil Herbert, a guy that was at Kansas, did some good things at Virginia Tech. They get him with the 217th pick. That seemed like solid value. They get Tevin Jenkins in the second. That felt like good value. But getting Justin Fields all the way at number 11 could be an all-time steal. I mean, if if he ends up playing up to his physical ability – this could this is one where we could look back on it and it could be the anti Mitch Trubisky, right? Which is what Bears fans have right. been dealing with ever since they trade up, they take Trubisky instead of taking Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. So I assume that Bears fans probably feel cursed right now and may be a little hesitant to start celebrating because with their luck they've had lately, maybe he'll end up sucking and they're, they're, they're just doomed and they're just going to be miserable. But these people thought that Andy Dalton was going to be their quarterback next season, and he still might be. He probably will be to start the year, honestly. But they just got a guy at 11 that they thought, that we all thought for months, for damn near a whole year, was going to be the second pick in the draft. But after dealing with the Trubisky thing, they have to feel like this is a blessing. Now, it could go horribly wrong, and maybe it does for Bears fans. Maybe, that, maybe hey, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy still being there is, is just going to be a result in this thing not working out. But I have a feeling they feel a little hope. And I'm not a Bears fan. I, I don't really care. But just seeing them catch a break, maybe is the best way to put it, with a quarterback, it it brought me a little happiness. Now, we'll see what Justin Fields ends up doing as a Bear, but I feel like Chicago Bears fans, good weekend for them. Good, good weekend. I love it. And they needed a good weekend because there was one point this offseason where they went to sleep thinking they were going to sign Russell Wilson and woke up and they had Andy Dalton. So 
uh, I kind of felt bad for Andy Dalton in that situation because once that started happening and then he went there, it's like there's no way anyone's going to be happy about you going there after they thought they had Russell Wilson. But I think that Justin Fields, I, I personally think that Trey Lance is the best quarterback in this draft, and that includes Trevor Lawrence. I would probably Whoa. have, yeah, I would probably have Trevor Lawrence two and then Justin Fields three. And I think all of those guys have a chance to be really good. And Justin Fields, as long as they know how to use him, I, and, and don't try and turn him into an NFL quarterback. They need to get, you know, get back to what he had success with in college. And there's more of a, more teams doing that now in the NFL than there ever has been before. So it's not that unheard of. I think Justin Fields could be great for him. Yeah, I'm excited. And once again, this may be the theme of the podcast. think he's going to look good in that jersey. I think he is. I think it's going to look nice great on uni. That is a great uni. Now, my loser of the weekend, I thought about going with Jay Glazer. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, Teddy, because Manchester United, Fans are pissed at the Glazer family that owns Manchester United and also owns the Tampa Bay Bucks. right? The fans of Manchester United took over the field, or excuse me, the pitch on Saturday. So the team couldn't play their game against, I think it was Liverpool or something. Look at, look at my soccer knowledge. But nice. they, they want the Glazer family to sell the team. But the problem for Jay Glazer is that People are coming after him, and he has absolutely nothing to do with the Glazer family that owns Manchester United. And he's just like, guys, I'm trying to tell you, like, hey, I'm an NFL insider. Like, I don't own this. And finally, he just gave up. He was like, I'm, you're right. I'm selling all my stakes in the team. It was pretty fun to follow on Twitter. But I just thought, I thought it was so damn funny. But I also you thought about You could never going, win that. I, oh, God. As soon as you start defending yourself, You've definitely lost because here they're gonna they're gonna come, you know, just guns blazing at that point. Hilarious. This is this is all blowback from the Super League, which is still uh, that it's the gift that keeps giving. It really, is. I love it. Like I've I, never seen anyone plan something out so big, announce it, and then backpedal instantly and not even try to get a better situation or anything it's just like oh no well uh never mind no we're not gonna do that just kidding (laughs) our bad our bad we didn't think you'd be so bad Uh, we're so sorry okay i also thought about going with the houston texans uh or at least with texans fans because i assume it caught a lot of people's attention i know it caught my attention when they drafted davis mills early in the third round i I'm not sure what that says about the Deshaun Watson situation, that whole thing. It seems like it's going a little quiet, but it was very interesting. And I don't know if that's something we need to read a ton into, but it's certainly not nothing. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, a third round, a third round isn't bad. Here's the thing we got to go back to before all of these allegations surfaced Deshaun Watson didn't want to play there and was trying to get out, was trying to be traded. So correct. You do have to remember that. Yeah. 
they still want him to play. Maybe he's not going to be able to play, but even if he is, they've got to set themselves up for a situation where he's holds out or, you know, they just have to start preparing for multiple reasons for life without Deshaun Watson. Yeah. We'll see still one of the weirdest stories in sports. So weird, but my loser of the weekend is Jesus Lazardo. And this is by far my favorite sports story from the weekend. And we do not talk about baseball on here pretty much ever. But this was just too good not to discuss. I, I saw this and I was like, yes, this was built for our winners and losers segment. Jesus Lazardo is a starting pitcher for the Oakland A's. Now, things aren't exactly going well for my man Jesus this season. He started on Saturday for the A's, but allowed six runs in three innings, took the loss. He has started six games this year. He's one and three with a 5.79 ERA. So, not, I mean, it's not terrible, but certainly not, not where you want it to be if you're Jesus. But the weird thing about his start on Saturday is that before the game, he broke his pinky, Teddy, on his pitching hand, which hairline fracture of the pinky does not seem ideal if your job is to throw a baseball. I'm just going to call it how I see it. But he tested it before the game, threw some bullpen. Trainers are watching him. They're like, you know what? Hey, you look good. He felt comfortable going out there. But you may be wondering, how did he break his pinky? He was playing video games before his start, and he reportedly accidentally bumped his pitching hand on a table that resulted in the hairline fracture in his pinky. So my man Jesus broke his hand playing video games before going and starting a game in the major leagues. How does that happen? I just, I, and I think I know the answer. And they came out and said, oh, he accidentally bumped the desk. He was playing. This. No, no, no. Jesus is just like the rest of us. He was getting his ass kicked in some video game, probably by some 13-year-old halfway across the world or something. And he hit his hand on the desk and broke that shit. That's, I'm, I am, I can't prove that that's what happened, but I'm guessing that's what happened. This was so relatable, but I also was like, dude, you can't be slamming your hand if you're a pitcher. What is, what is this guy doing? There's only two scenarios here. Scenario one, he was getting beat by a 13-year-old from halfway around the world who was cussing at him in another language, and he got mad and slammed something, punched something, you know, while he was playing video games. That's option one. Option two is he was drunk and punched something. Okay. Those, start. <laughs> yeah, the night before. And then came in the next morning and was like, hey, I was playing video games. You don't bump your finger on a desk and break a pinky. I'm sorry. It just, that's not how it happens. Our man, Jesus. I'll give kudos to him for pitching. Have you ever broke a finger or like dislocated one? Well, there you go. Yeah, I'm showing you it right now. And now this one wasn't broken, but it took three doctors to pop this bad boy in at halftime against Tulsa 
And it is my wife still like she just like, oh, well, you know how you could feel your heartbeat in your finger for the next week because it was throbbing and painful. It was like for the next year for me, bro. Like it it did not feel good for forever. Imagine like not even 24 hours later, taking your hand and moving your hand fast enough to throw a ball 90 miles an hour or whatever. And I don't know how it didn't hurt like hell for him, but even though your pinky's not gripping it, just like whenever you move your hand to get all that blood flying to it, it seems like it would hurt like hell. Yeah. I just, I love dumb injuries, like sports injuries. And this isn't, this isn't helping uh, baseball players athletic reputation at all. Yep. These guys get hurt playing video games. But baseball has the the craziest injuries, and it's always an excuse. And I know the guy was drunk somewhere doing something stupid. Well, it's always like, oh well, he was putting his pants on and tripped and fell over and tried to catch himself on a chair and broke his elbow. Well, he was drunk. Well. If it's younger guys, that's one thing. I do know an older guy that dislocated his finger like pretty like bad, like had to put it in a splint and like the whole thing, tucking his shirt in, like tucking <laughs> his shirt into his pants. So like shit happens. I mean, it does. Well, but I'll, Hey, I have – so this thumb I've got has like – I don't know if you can see that. It's got like no ligaments in it. So You're whenever, disgusting. whenever I, I heard it like the second or third time I went to grab the steering wheel and it like hit the point of my thumb right here. And this whole section of my thumb just goes back here <laughs> out of the joint. I'm that not squeamish, but that sounds awful. I, it was the most painful because it was already, it had been hurt and it was already just like. Everything you do, when you hurt your thumb, everything you do just hurts like hell. And, you know, so it was already super tender. So when that happened, I thought I was going to vomit. It hurt so bad. It was horrible. And and maybe on another podcast, we'll talk about how your shoulder pops out when you sleep. (laughs) It hasn't in a while. It's feeling there. Hey, good, man. Moving in a positive direction. There we go. And on that note, we'll end it with some positivity. This was a weird episode, but episode 108 in the books we'll have a new podcast that'll drop thursday morning and we will have a new presenting sponsor let's go just a reminder you can hear teddy from two to six on sports talk 1400 you can hear me from three to five on sirius xm big 12 right radio radio i was about to say radio big 12 radio channel 375 hope you all have a great week till next time we appreciate y'all for listening do what you always do oklahoma take care of each other